Welcome to Talking to Myself. I'm Elizabeth Monson. And I'm Elizabeth Meyer. And this is our podcast where we read self-help or self-improvement, now educational texts, um, and we talk about how they apply to our lives and try to give you some takeaways that you can apply to your life as well. So what are we reading today? So we read The Great Divide by Joseph E. Stieglitz. And... This, why did we choose this, choose this book? So we were really inspired by being at the Women's March in D.C. We went together. We did. And I think we came away from it being like, all right, let's make sure we don't lose this momentum. And I for sure know that I need an education on activism. So I was starting to think about how we could dive into maybe an activism 101 book, how we could look at to local groups to see how we could get involved. And I think we decided it would actually be really beneficial to give ourselves a little bit of an education on kind of why we're experiencing a lot of the unrest in, that our country is seeing. So you actually found this book. Yeah, I found it via Instagram stories where I find a lot of my, my inspiration. I'm just screenshotting Instagram stories all day because Instagram now released the saved posts feature, which is the best thing that happened in 2016 2017 2016 um but yeah anyway someone I follow was posting a bunch of books that people could read to inform themselves about some of the issues and also help them um just be more active and informed about things that are going on in the United States these days in the U.S. specifically um and I don't even remember who I followed to do to find this but I screenshotted like six books and sent them to you and we chose this one. I have a theory on why you were gravitating towards Stieglitz. Uh, Any guesses? Because I've heard his name before. Because he's a Columbia professor, and we all know oh, you're right. partial yes. to all things Go Columbia. Lions, roar, lion, roar. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I didn't know that. He is. But maybe that's how I had heard his name before. Or because he's like a mildly famous economist. Yeah. <laughs> so, thoughts? Thoughts on the book? So it's called The Great Divide. And it's basically about the inequality that is now pretty entrenched in American society, um, but also continues to grow. And I thought it was super interesting. I mean, to be perfectly honest, one of the reasons I wanted to read this is because my dad has been going on for years at this point about how the greatest danger to the country is the inequality. So maybe he's been reading up on his Stieglitz as well. Um, But I wanted to be more informed so that I could uh, know what he's talking about or have an active discussion. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, It's not really, it's an economy text. So the structure of this I actually liked a lot because basically Stieglitz has chapter um, summaries and then it's a compilation of articles that he's written for major publications over the past several years So it's like the New York Times, Vanity Fair, I don't know, others, I'm sure. So it's a dense read, but it's actually, for an economy book, pretty easy to read also because it's written for the greater public at large. Also, he goes back to his themes over and over again. So if you read this book and don't come away understanding a little bit more about how, like, our tax laws have created inequality and how basically like 
the rich are getting richer because of... Well, he has one major theme that he keeps drawing back to, which is that inequality is a result of policy. Yes, it's choices that we have made and policies that the government have decided that are creating inequality. And they've basically been instituted in conjunction with the top 1%, and they make it easier for the rich to keep getting richer. Yeah, and we should note that if you have heard of Stieglitz, it's probably from the fact that he did coin the 99% and the 1% as it's been like taken to be used by the Occupy Wall Street movement. So anytime you say the 1% talking about rich people, you are using a Stieglitz term. Um, so yeah, what is what are his other kind of main themes that he keeps going back to? So by no means do I find tax discussions super intriguing. But I have to say there is a, a section in the book where he talks about the fact that there are obviously still tax breaks on big corporations, um, tax breaks that always benefit the rich. Mm -hmm. But he also talks about reform, tax reform. Yeah. And his suggestions for how we could be making billions and trillions of dollars pretty easily. They seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah. They also seem to have other widespread implications, positive implications for society. And one of them that I really loved, especially having started my career at the Environmental Protection Agency, is a tax on pollution. So Stieglitz really thinks that by taxing pollution, as I believe another Scandinavian country does that, they make probably literally billions of dollars a year off of it, plus they have a nice clean environment. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's the theory that you should be taxing bad things, not good things, which kind of is like a self-helpy concept. Yeah. Like, we can get down with that. Do you remember what he says good things are? Like, capital gains. <laughs> yeah, basically. He says, especially with regard to taxing bad things, that it makes sense to tax natural resources because those things aren't going to disappear just because they receive a higher tax rate. Right. Yeah. So basically we have created a series of tax laws that put the biggest burden on the middle class and lower class and let rich people get away with not having much of their income taxed at all. Um, And so personal taxes are one issue. And then also corporate taxes are another. And the way that the tax system is structured, it basically incentivizes companies to be more global, to have offices in countries that are basically like tax havens, to come up with like really clever ways of hiding their revenue and all of that. Um, So instead of taxing revenue and creating incentives for companies to hide it. We should be taxing things like pollution and I don't know what else. Oil. 
oil. Also, the idea is that the people who are drilling into the earth don't have any special claim to that. They're basically, they have cheap access to earth's natural resources and then can charge people a lot of money because, just because they've processed it or accessed it. Um, and that's not really fair. And we're leaving a lot of money on the, money on the table that could be recycled back into the economy. And I think one of the things that I found most interesting from this, and I should also preface this by saying that I really don't understand economics literally at all. <laughs> like I took AP Econ in high school. Actually, I don't even know if I... Yeah, that's more than I've ever, ever touched this subject. I spent the first several days sifting through it and feeling pretty silly. Yeah. Um, I just remember any time it was like, draw a graph of this concept... I would figure it out on my work paper and then I would draw a graph going the opposite direction because literally every time I thought something was up, it was down. If I thought it was left, it was right. So I just actually started guessing the opposite of what I thought. Um, And I don't know if it even helped me do any better, but econ I find very confusing. Um, But I do think that Stieglitz, especially because these are essays or articles that were written for mass publications it's a pretty easy approach so you don't have to understand econ at all in order to get this book yeah um especially because he also talks about a lot of themes that you would have heard regardless of whether you've ever studied economics before i think one of the big ones that he comes back to over and over again is this idea of the american opportunity yeah that's my favorite part is basically one of the whole theses of this book is that America was once the land of opportunity. And I think if you ask so many people what America stands for, that is our DNA as a country. It's like anyone who is born in any station can become anything, like bootstrapping things, chopping down cherry trees, Johnny Appleseed, I don't know. Um, But literally anyone can become anything. And because of the entrenched inequality in our country today. That's no longer true. Um, And it's really sad. Basically, if you are born into poverty, your chances of becoming rich are non-existent. Um, If you are rich, your chances of becoming poor are pretty slim. Although there were some statistics in here about how people tend to lose wealth over a certain period of time. Over generations. Yeah, which is interesting. but yeah, it's a sad it's a sad state to be in, and I think that has really contributed to where we are in this country today. The idea that like people know that they there is not a land of opportunity. They know that they are at a disadvantage if they're born into poverty or if they are, live in a city that's depressed. If they have like if they're part of certain minority groups, um, so that really struck me because I don't know. I think that if we are going to be able to fix what's happened in this country. We have to bring back that sense of opportunity and the sense of, I don't know, possibility for people to make their lives better and improve it. Um, Because otherwise people just won't participate. And Stieglitz actually goes so far as to call the United States the most unequal advanced country. Yeah, So things are pretty dire. And also, regarding the land of opportunity, 
He says it hasn't been one for quite some time. That's basically been a myth for the better part of the last hundred years. Yeah, and he goes into a lot of detail around, like, if you cut the different ways of looking at economic growth, economic growth in our country has only affected people with a lot of, like, has only been profitable for the rich, and poor people have gotten poorer. He talks about one example that was really cyclical, and I'm going to hope not to butcher it, but it's really tied into education. Mm -hmm. So basically saying that, and I'll leave as a side note, that Stieglitz does talk about gender inequality. He talks, he brushes upon race, but he's mostly just talking about rich and poor for the purposes of this book. Yeah. And what he says with education is that if you're born into poverty, your chances of receiving a good education are already diminished, Mm -hmm. then your chances of receiving a higher education from a top school are also, you know, infinitely uh, smaller than the chances of somebody who was born into money, but also that the government perpetuates that problem by feeding in money to for-profit schools, Mm -hmm. which he also categorizes as top schools, that then provide good opportunities for jobs and uh, really the the way to be able to get good work experience when you're in college is either to you know have that networking system through you know usually one of those top tier or for-profit schools or to be able to have an unpaid internship which you can't afford if you were born into poverty mm-hmm. so then you don't end up with a top job and it basically continues to perpetuate because government is supporting those institutions that are basically geared towards people who were born into wealth. Yeah, when government stops subsidizing education, then the schools have to raise cost of tuition, which means that fewer people can afford them. He does talk a lot about student loans. They're very crippling. Yeah. One of the reasons that I really liked this text is because Stieglitz has a lot of case studies. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to wrap your brain around economic theory when he's actually presenting a story. User-friendly. Exactly. And Stieglitz talks about Australia's model with student loans. Do you remember this part? Mm -mm. So if... Any Australian who wants to receive a higher education can get a student loan at a really low interest rate. And then based off of the job that they secure after their education, they pay back less or more of the loans based off of uh, how much income they're earning. So Uh, it's all proportionate. And, And what he also says, in addition to that, being really, you know, amazing for people who would otherwise have crippling student loans is that people are really encouraged to go into professions that they care about. They're not so fiscally motivated, so they have lots of really passionate teachers, um, lots of lawyers who decided to go into public interest law instead of corporate law. Mm-hmm. So I, I just thought that was such a great approach. Yeah. I mean, he uses, he gives examples of several countries that are a lot more equal than the U.S., like a lot of the Scandinavian countries, Australia comes up a bunch. Um, Japan. Japan. 
Yeah, it's interesting because he he has kind of a funny way of talking about about European countries. What does he call them? He calls them like old Europe, which I thought was kind of strange. Except when he talks about Scandinavia. Well, I guess Scandinavia is not part of old Europe. It's true. It's new Europe. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Vikings, hello. <laughs> doesn't yeah, seem so, so new old. to me. Um, yeah, so it's, I don't know. I feel like now that we're talking about it, there's so many different dense areas that you can go into in the book. Um, One thing that I I found really interesting was that he basically was saying that it's, it would be advantageous even for the rich, rich class, rich people. I don't know. Equality basically benefits us all. And so all of these decisions that are being made currently, like, if you are a Goldman Sachs executive, like you're killing it, you have your your like many houses, your like portfolio looks awesome. But when the economy dips, he was basically like, you know, they have to trade their house on the Riviera for a house in the Hamptons. It doesn't it doesn't seem so bad as long as they're still winning. But decisions that would help create a more equal society would actually boost their wealth as well they just don't see it like that and so kind of the blindness that they get to wanting a more equal society or like seeing any value in a more equal society actually in the end hurts everybody um and there's there is a line I don't know if I can find it but he's basically like that's the irony of it all is that it doesn't even have to be an altruistic choice they can be choosing the like monetary choice and they would still make more money That's pretty and it would be more altruistic so I also really liked taking a personal look at why Stieglitz became an economist in the first place oh yeah do you remember the moment where he decided that he was going to kind of switch tracks and become an Economist for the sake of representing those who are born into inequality? Well, he was going to be a physics major, he right? Was. And he was born in Gary, Indiana, which is interesting because now we look at that as being like a horribly depressed place. Also, yeah, I don't know. I drove through Gary, Indiana on a road trip with my friend Christy. Shout out to Christy. She's <laughs> one of our listeners. Um, <laughs> it was in college, sophomore year, somewhere after sophomore year. I don't even remember. Ah, how do I not remember? Anyway, we drove through Gary, Indiana, and we thought it'd be funny because we wanted to sing Gary, Indiana from The Music Man because we are so cool. Anyway, we were on our way to Chicago, and it was so sad, and it was so empty, and it was so barren, and we drove past this cool old theater that on the marquee it said, Jackson 5, performing tomorrow night oh my gosh yeah they can never get rid of that and well it's probably gone they're never gonna change it but anyway it was just one of the saddest places i've ever seen in my whole life well so yeah he grew up surrounded by inequality he he says he didn't really know it until he looked back um but what i think is already a claim to fame for joseph stiegler he 
attended Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Oh, right. We went to D.C. Yes, for that. Yes, 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 So that's really where he became super impassioned about all of these issues. He was fighting as part of the civil rights movement. Yeah. And I think that, that really struck a chord for me. I don't know. I think the fact that he chose an entire career switch just based off of figuring out how he could pinpoint reforms and policies that could be adopted to make this place better better yeah and equality is not something that a lot of economists like to look at they like want to look at things that are more i don't know like theoretical um but it seems to me to be a very fruitful area um but also what I thought was interesting, and I don't know, maybe I'm ignorant, but I had not remembered that the I Have a Dream speech was at the Jobs March. And so it's, again, interesting that this famous, famous speech about opportunities and all of that happened not at, like, a racial march, which people might have thought, but at a Jobs March. Yeah. It comes back to putting people to work. Putting but, people first. That's yes, another, putting people first. I, that's another theme that was really pertinent for our podcast, I think. Right. Not just self-betterment, not but just investing equality. investing in the people. Also investing in people. Yeah. So I'm going to read two quotes that I have from The 1%'s Problem, which is where, I think that's the one where he coins the 99% and the 1%, um, that I think are super relevant to what's going on today, because as much as I would love to talk about U.S. versus Sweden versus Japan tax structure that I'm very poorly equipped to and doesn't really, isn't super relevant to what's going on in the country right now. But I think that this is. So he goes, in a society in which inequality is widening, fairness is not just about wages and income or wealth. It's a far more generalized perception do I seem to have a stake in the direction society is going or not? Do I share in the benefits of collective action or not? If the answer is allowed no, then brace for a decline in motivation whose repercussions will be felt economically and in all aspects of civil life. Which I think, I mean, that's basically what we're trying to fight against right now. I th there's a huge problem with people feeling disenfranchised, people literally being disenfranchised, um, and just people feeling like their voice is not being represented or not being heard. And so, yeah, you lose motivation to participate in civic life. Um, and right now we're trying to find ways to be more active than ever. I mean, I've never been super active. I've always voted. Um, and then I can read another quote that I like that's from the same section. Um, this one basically starts with how Horatio Alger's stories still remain the mythic ideal. Um, and then those at the top can take comfort from knowing that their chances of being downwardly mobile are lower in America than they are elsewhere. There are many costs to this lack of opportunity. A large number of Americans are not living up to their potential. We're wasting our most valuable asset, our talent. As we slowly grasp what's, we, what's been happening, there will be an erosion of our sense of identity in which America is seen as a fair country. This will have direct economic effects, but also indirect ones, fraying the bonds that hold us together as a nation, which also feels super apropos to right now. 
we're divided in so many ways, economically, interest group wise, all of it. So So, do you think that reading this helped at all? I was just going to say, I think what's frustrating is we determined to read a book so that we could, granted, educate ourselves a little bit more, but also I think because we were hoping it would give us some sort of a formula to do something. Mm -hmm. And it unfortunately seems like Stieglitz's recommendations for reform are one, very out of our hands, and also seems so unrealistic given what's happening with our current government. Right. I mean, the kind of the ideal structure that he has in mind is basically a fairy tale at this moment. He basically... Like, we're not a progressive government, and that's what he is arguing for. He does. He calls them real solutions, and they are real solutions, but perhaps operating within a a different, an an entirely different regime, if you will, because what he really pushes is increasing taxes on corporations and the wealthy. No, not going to happen. Um, yeah, as an academic, I think he has the freedom to talk about what the ideal situation would be without having any sort of burden to make that happen. I mean, talking about it helps, certainly. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to know what there is that someone, just like a normal person, can do. Yeah. It's also it's also hard because... So I, I believe that he published this book in 2015. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a lot to say about the Trump administration. Yeah. But he basically says it's going to get worse. Yeah. And it has, I think, gotten visibly worse since 2015, but it's just, it's just felt pretty bleak. So usually I think we end our books with that kind of a high note, like I'm going to take this lesson, I'm going to incorporate it back. I think... The lesson for us is always to keep learning yeah, and to keep staying pissed off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think also one of the reasons why I didn't know if it made total sense to read a book about activism was because there are so many ways that are have been shared so widely. So call your senators all the time. Use the Five Calls site. Like, go to your town halls. Like, though, that's how you have to stay active. But it for sure helps to be more informed about the issues. And so I think having just a curiosity and an openness to hear different viewpoints and learn more about what's going on with the economy or with other systems of government that we have um, is really important. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I keep saying I want to stay pissed because if I'm pissed, then I'll stay active. Yeah. But I think another important side effect of education is empathy. Yes. So it definitely is really, really important to learn why people are facing some of the really serious inequalities that they're facing today because it's just a lot easier to be less judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really sad. It's just sad. Yeah. I wish that it wasn't the state of our country right now. Okay. So to summarize, how do you feel about this book? I liked it. I definitely liked it. Yeah, you it. recommend? I totally recommend it. I 
I want to read other works that he's written. He's just just pick like, up Vanity Fair. Just pick up Vanity Fair. He does quote Vanity <laughs> Fair quite that a lot. That was really rude. <laughs> no. I, oh, here's what I was gonna say. Oh, I told you we were chatting about this earlier today, and I did tell you to read to watch Thirteen on Netflix, which hopefully you'll do tonight. Tonight, because this is just one position on what has caused inequality and there's so many different things that are at play um so if you think that inequality is a problem in this country which i certainly do um you should also familiarize yourself with different viewpoints on why so a movie like 13th which is incredible and super interesting positions like racial inequality as being the result of the prison system in the country and that is certainly true as well and yeah basically there's a lot there's a lot of different kinds of inequality and there's a lot of reasons behind it um and so staying informed and being empathetic about that i do agree is the most important part yeah so it it was super interesting really informative i feel like i could be a more active conversationalist around these topics now which helps right i know what gdp is now Oh my God, did you not? You knew. <laughs> I'm going to assume that you knew. So Thank let's you. just leave it at that. All right. So how about for our next book, we read something fun. Yeah. We've been on kind of a little bit of a, no, I guess we just read Men Are From Mars. So That's true. It depends how you look at it. And if you liked our episode, please don't hesitate to give us five stars on iTunes. Or comment with some other things that we can read to better inform ourselves about the great divide in our country or simple tax codes or general pick-me-ups we like those too yeah that's what memes are for yeah all right thank you bye